Point Break is coming up. This is like Christmas. All right. You know, I have something to confess. I've never seen Point Break. Uh, you're missing out. You're missing <laughs> I out. I know. I know. <laughs> and I know like people have drawn comparisons um, from uh, The Fast and the Furious. Back in 2001, I remember in reviews, a lot of people saying this was basically a remake of Point Break, except not with surfers, you know, with yes. car I, racing. I know. I'd never heard that, and it probably just didn't register because I'd never seen it. And it's funny because, like, I, I don't, I think you're the only person that I've ever admitted that to. And but usually when like when usually when it comes up, I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that uh, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Hello and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions. Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake, do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful and thus remade? But most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? I am the original creator of this show, and with me is my dumbed-down American version, or in this case, Kentucky, Michael Deniston. Hello, Internet. Hey, Mike. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm ready to completely remake this show uh, and give it more action, more Hollywood glamour. I'm ready to completely take over this podcast, so I hope you're prepared. Yeah, hopefully make the movie better. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll kind of see... How this goes, but yeah, if uh, first-time listeners, obviously this is our uh, inaugural episode of this podcast. Uh, the premise of the show, it's um, well, the podcast is called Original Remake. We are going to take a movie, um, you know, hopefully the original, and we're going to talk about the Hollywood remake of it, or vice versa, whichever you know came first. And basically, how this came to be is a. Uh, Mike and I were also both podcasters. Mike, you're on the War Machine versus War Horse podcast. That's and, correct. Um, Where you guys do... Actually, do you want to just go ahead and give that plug uh, for those that don't, aren't familiar with that podcast? Sure, I, I can plug myself. Uh, that'll save you from having to make up really nice things to say about it. Um, you can find it on iTunes or Stitcher. The basic premise is a new release, be it theatrical video on demand, or even a new DVD or Blu-ray release uh, we all get excited to talk about, and then that causes us to go back to our DVD shelves to go to Netflix and find two older films that share a theme, and that theme can be based on the director, based on the actor, it could be based on the premise of the new film itself, and uh, we then debate the two older movies and spoiler-filled reviews. But if you're just checking out for the new release, that is spoiler-free. Right, and I do a podcast with my 14-year-old son called Hydrate Level 4, and for those that don't know, it's a reference to uh, Back to the Future, uh, Part 2 specifically, uh, in one scene, and the idea of our show is that um, I'm the father, he's the son, and we go back and watch movies that I grew up watching and see if his generation still thinks that it still holds up, uh, but uh, I, I guess the con of that is him being a teenager. When he gets in trouble, he gets grounded. And <laughs> when he gets grounded, he can't podcast with me. So, uh, And then I, I would get guests to come on the show. Uh, Mike, you and I, we are frequent collaborators on both shows. Um, right. And that's actually how the uh, original remake came to be. We, we, uh, I think it was after a recording, maybe? Yeah, I think we were just... It was just not really off mic, although... 
I think we both recorded part of it. I kind of wish for the purposes of this podcast, we recorded that whole conversation because this idea came together pretty naturally. It wasn't like one of us said, Hey, I want to do a show about remakes. Uh, we were just talking movies and talking about different ideas, stuff that we could collaborate on. Uh, so that you could continue your podcasting career, even when your son is grounded. And I was interested <laughs> in doing something that wasn't quite as extensive as watching three movies for every episode. So, uh, I believe it was, you had infernal affairs, uh, poster hanging behind you on that particular day when we were recording. Yeah. And somehow we stumbled upon the idea that, um, and, and we actually researched this. We we're like, is there a podcast that just talks about like remade movies? And uh, we really couldn't find one that focuses specifically on that. So that's that's what we ran with. And uh, total credit to you for for kind of uh, getting that that idea going. And uh, then, of course, I think I just crowd you into it. I was like, okay, we got to do this two weeks from now. Let's get back together. I I think you need to credit my wife who had me put the poster in the storage room where I was recording. (laughs) Total total credit to your wife. Then (laughs) there there we go. Yeah the yeah the poster. I, I used to have a movie room, and this is obviously before the uh, the baby was born. You know, I had the uh, projector and the pull-down screen, surround sound, all that good stuff. And the only two posters I had in that room was the uh, internal or Infernal Affairs and uh, Back to the Future, which are, you know, my two favorite movies. I, 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 I think it's safe to say that Infernal Affairs is probably my favorite foreign, hmm, maybe not favorite foreign, but maybe favorite um, Chinese flick. You okay. Know? Because uh, I'd have to think about um, you know the other nationalities out there because there's mm-hmm. probably other movies that I just can't think of right now. But um, yeah, so we just kind of took the idea of talking about remakes, and then um, I don't even remember how we came up with the name. I think we wanted to incorporate like the word original and the word remake, and original <laughs> remake just came we're, up. And... We're really creative people. Then we're like, we'll just go with that. <laughs> go with those two Very, words. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, that was a, uh, an original idea that we came up with, and we just kind of made sure uh, that particular name was not taken in iTunes and, and Twitter, and that kind of, kind of worked out for us, right? We didn't really have to add pod to anything, so that was kind nope. of nice. No, we were good to go. Yeah, and then um, currently, uh, at the time of recording, our uh, logo is the uh, kind of, well, not side-by-side because it's top and bottom, but it's a picture of Yul Brenner from Magnificent Seven. And uh, I don't know the actor's name, but one of the samurais from Seven Samurai, uh, which is also one of the uh, famous historic remakes, too, from way back in the day. And, and probably the clearest difference between an original remake, a samurai story in one culture and then a, a Western in the other. So I think it's, uh, it's one that I look forward to eventually getting to on this podcast. Yeah, oh, as do I. I. I honestly have not seen um, – actually, I haven't seen either one since um, – since high school and that's kind of maybe that's how uh i kind of came into um uh watching infernal affairs which i, I think we'll kind of wait later when we kind of get into the meat of it um actually do we want to just go ahead and kind of yeah. go forward now i, I think yeah, that's that's like, yeah go ahead and uh because i'm interested in that aspect of it when and that that's gonna be part of the premise of this show and i think for listeners is it really kind of impacts your thoughts on one version or the other, I think based on which one you come to first or naturally. And so, yeah, I'm I'm interested in your experience with Infernal Affairs. It sounds like you watched this before The Departed. I did. I did. And um, Infernal Affairs for, 
we're at least hoping that the listener, you, uh, have seen at least one of these movies, right? That that's what we kind of talked about. We we will be getting into spoilers here, where we're doing a comparison of the two. It's going to be hard to avoid not talking about major plot points. So yeah, hopefully at least one. Because with these two films in particular, if you've seen one, I don't think it's going to ruin the other one. Right, as far as from a plot point of view. And for this one, I um I don't think there's any big reviews in Infernal Affairs that was not um, addressed in The Departed. So right, I, yeah, right. And I I think it's safe to say that more people have seen The Departed over Infernal Affairs. Uh, but Infernal Affairs is a, a 2002 uh, crime thriller. Uh, again, it's a um, a Chinese film. It's a story between a mole in the police department and um, an undercover cop. And basically, they're they're throughout the movie they're trying to find each other, um, you know, working for the the, the different sides. It's directed by uh, Andy Lau, uh, a big um, big Chinese actor, and it also looks like co directed uh, co-directed by Alan Mack, who also wrote it with uh, Felix Chong. Uh, the main actors, we got Andy Lau, uh, Tony Leung, uh, Anthony, Anthony Wong, and uh, Eric Sang. Uh, Kelly Chan, she plays the psychiatrist in here. And then um, these are big stars too, but they have smaller roles. Uh, Edison Chen and Sean Yu, they play the younger versions of the Andy Lau and Tony Leung characters. Um, yeah, I think that's it for Infernal Affairs. So with The Departed, we have the undercover cop posing as a criminal played by Leonardo DiCaprio as Billy. Uh, Billy Costigan, who comes from a family, I guess half his family was criminally based as far as their professional uh, enterprises. And his father sort of uh, veered away from that, that path. Uh, there's a, a line that... Frank Costello, which in this case is played by Jack Nicholson, he is the mafia boss trying to be taken down by the cops, uh, says that Billy's father <laughs> just worked at the airport, which is, it's a weird way to sum up someone, uh, almost in an insult and kind of a compliment that his family shied away from that criminal background. But the cop that is not shying away from that, the dirty cop here is played by Matt Damon, and the character's name is Colin Sullivan. He is Frank's uh, inside man on the force and basically is there to protect Frank from Queenan, played by Martin Sheen, who has partnered up with Dignam, played by Mark Wahlberg. And they are putting together putting together a force to bring down Costello and his uh, criminal organization. And it pretty much hinges on the information that DiCaprio's character of Billy can give them. So we also have. The love interest here, the uh, the therapist that you mentioned from the other film, in this case is more of a composite character, and her name is Madeline, and she is played by Vera Farmiga. So other than it being set in Boston, uh, the actual plot points are very, very similar. Uh, obviously, the cultural differences uh, in the way that these people talk to each other. Uh, I'm speaking as a Kentuckian. Peter is out in Portland. Uh, I can safely say that the way bostonians talk to each other uh it uh, it kind of feels like a different world even from from me it feels like a different country but uh that seems to be the main difference but if you watch one of these films the other one is going to feel very similar from a plot point of view you know i i had no idea you were gonna, gonna you wouldn't give a summary like that otherwise maybe i would have done it a little bit better <laughs> I was actually just riffing off of yours. I was just like, uh, okay, so he he plays this cop, and that's the dirty one. So yeah, that uh, 
I, I, I appreciate that, that sort mm. of compliment there, but no, I thought I was just doing a pretty vanilla, vanilla take on it. So I was trying to liven it up by bringing in our Kentucky and Portland background. Well, you were, uh, did what Scorsese did with this movie. You made it longer <laughs> and better. <laughs> well, I think that's something we'll probably get into as far as which yeah. one we actually find I, better, but it's definitely longer. It was, I'll agree with you there. Sure. Yeah. I, I just, because Infernal Affairs, I, I don't even think I really, I mean, I just kind of gave the gist of what it was about, but I didn't say who played who. I just kind of completely forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> but do we just want to talk a little bit about Infernal Affairs or, because uh, yeah, you summed up the departed pretty good tell me did you did you watch infernal affairs first before you saw the departed i did um i used to subscribe uh to i forget the the publication it was it cinescape does that sound right Cine, uh, Cine something. It sounds it was, right but it, i did it's not a, subscribe it's a magazine to it. yeah it's a magazine that has um uh they're, they're no longer publishing but it was one of those movie magazines um gosh i it's really bothering me. I'm sure our listeners are yelling at me because um, Cinescape. I don't know. I feel like I need to look this up because that's... They, they may be yelling, right. but they don't have microphones, so we can't hear no. them. So we're <laughs> the ones with the microphones, so they can just pipe down. Okay. I, I, I do want to... I feel like I need to look this up real quick. Um, well, Cinescape is something that, that is coming up. Um, com, Kuwait National Cinema Company. I don't think that's it. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but anyway, it, yeah, it was just one of those movie magazines that I used to subscribe to, you know, kind of like a game pro for, for video games. And that's one of my things is, uh, prior to, and, uh, well, yeah, I, I've already knew about IMDb by then, uh, because what the, the party came out in 06, it must've been announced like 03, 02. Because I think uh, in- Infernal Affairs came out in '02, so um, which you know obviously was a big hit uh, overseas. And in the magazine, it had mentioned that you know Scorsese was going to um, you know collaborate with you know, DiCaprio. Um, and this is uh, the the part is actually produced by Brad Pitt too. So I, I'm not sure if I knew that from reading the article, but just the fact that you know this big Hollywood remake was going to be made, you know, in the next few years. And it's based on a Hong Kong flick. And the article said that it was a big hit. Uh, and obviously, you know, you, you believe everything you read, right? So I was right, like, well, exactly. I, I, I need to get a hold of this uh, Infernal Affairs. And um, 2002, let me see. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't, I was already way long past my blockbuster days and working at the movie theaters. But uh, I was still a, a uh, customer at Blockbuster. So I, you know, hunt this movie down. Uh, obviously, this is before Netflix and, um, you know, and all that. So uh, one of the Blockbuster locations did have it. I uh, rented that and watched it and I loved it, you know, after the very first viewing. And I couldn't be more excited for The Departed. Well, that, that differs greatly from my experience. I did not. Uh, I'm going to play the, the, the dumb American here. I had no idea what Infernal Affairs was. I'd never heard of it. It wasn't until after I watched and enjoyed The Departed. Uh, theatrically that I got on the internet and saw all the references and the reviews to this being a remake. So I, I had no idea. I knew that Scorsese was doing a film set in Boston with, uh, Matt Damon, which that was, that was about it. Um, because obviously Matt Damon has, 
the the Boston connection growing up there, same as Mark Wahlberg. So mm-hmm. uh, I just knew it as a cop thriller, and I stupidly thought that Matt Damon was going to be playing like a good guy, like trying to take down like the uh, the mos- mafia in Boston. But uh, that's clearly not the case here. And so I didn't watch Infernal Affairs until after uh, The Departed, and I really initially did not care for it that much because. And it, this maybe is doing a disservice to our listeners because if they're going to watch these movies that we talk about, uh, unless you're doing it for purposes of like a critical analysis, like for this podcast, I don't recommend just for pure entertainment to watch a remake back to back with the original uh, mm-hmm. because you're, you're not going to get as much out of it. So for when I watched Infernal Affairs for this podcast, I enjoyed it a lot more because enough time had passed. And this time around, I actually watched Infernal Affairs first for the podcast. I watched the original and then I watched the remake. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something that is different stylistically than Departed. Because when you have someone like Scorsese coming in, he's going to put his own sort of flourish on it. And he, you know, there's different shots that look like something out of Goodfellas or Raging Bull, the way he moves the camera. Um, and it's something that when I watched Infernal Affairs initially, I guess I missed, I sort of missed the Scorsese elements, but this time around, I enjoyed it a lot more because, uh, it was, you know, it was first up. So, uh, that, that's a question I want to pose to you. And I guess to our listeners, um, <laughs> this being the first, the pilot episode, obviously we have none now, cause I don't think anybody even knows that we're doing this podcast yet. Um, uh, but it's, it's one I'm really interested in. How do you think the viewing order, uh, affects the impact on watching these two films. Like if you had watched one first over the other, do you think it would have changed your uh, opinion about one of the films? Like for instance, Infernal Affairs in your case, if it had come second. Uh, the initial viewing, obviously yeah, I, I saw Infernal Affairs first because The Departed had not come out yet. And I felt like when The Departed came out and I watched it, I was a little, I enjoyed the movie, but I was a little I don't know what the word I'm looking for. I don't want to say uh, a little dis not disappointed, but underwhelmed. Was, uh, maybe underwhelmed. It's just because I, I felt that Scorsese ripped off a lot of the scenes straight from the movie, and I think at first they claimed that it was not a remake, right? That it was just a, um, that uh, Infernal Affairs was an inspiration for the movie. <laughs> it's do pretty you, much a re- remake. <laughs> it is a remake, but do you recall hearing anything like that? I, I, I don't. I don't, say, re- I don't recall that. But if that's the case, they were they were being very misleading because this is yes, clearly exactly. just a remake. Because I I do remember also reading like um, you know obviously all this stuff I see online, but when it won Best Picture, I, I remember people saying like wow they they even said that it was only an inspiration that it wasn't a remake you know um so at that time i was just like wow yeah that's that's pretty um that's kind of shysty <laughs> you know that yeah. they, they 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 claimed that it was only an inspiration but they, some of the dialogue was you know taken straight from the original mm-hmm. uh but for this viewing i i didn't even think to reverse the order but i went ahead and watched infernal affairs first and uh this time around i don't think it took anything away um uh, from my enjoyment of the departed i i think i actually liked it uh, a lot better this time um you know if we were doing hydrate level four where me and phoenix rate movies with five stars i would give both movies uh five stars they're both good in their own right um obviously i think infernal affairs is more of a crime drama um 
I think you get less of the drama in The Departed. It's a little bit more action. Um, but it's, it's just, I would say that's more of a crime thriller. I don't know if you agree with mm-hmm. that. No, I actually would yeah. agree. That's what I would label it as. Um, well, the let's transition into the, the style of both films because I think that, and I don't know if this is sort of a, a racist thought for me to have or just me being not necessarily biased, but I think when we see uh, you know Chinese films uh, or you can even get into just foreign films in particular, like there's sort of an idea that the foreign film is going to be like boring in comparison to the American one, or it's going to be slower. But I think Mm -hmm. with Chinese movies, I actually have the opposite reaction that I'm liking. It's going to be more action packed and more amped up just because of some of the popular films that come over here, especially with uh, Asian cinema. Uh, They tend to be action movies that really hit in the American market. And I think it's because they have a certain stylized violence that is used mm. over there that younger audiences really approve of here in uh, America. But you're dead on in that what really caught me off guard is, yeah, it's more, much more of a melodrama in Infernal Affairs. And it's kind of, it's subtle compared to The Departed, which starts off with Jack Nicholson doing, he's doing a very like hammy performance here. He's way over the top. And it, it, the movie opens with him, like, being completely crass to this young woman, the daughter of this guy that owes him money, and him sort of taking advantage of a poor kid, uh, Matt Damon's character. And basically, it's just a, a montage of just him espousing his philosophy on life, which is basically that there's no difference between cops and criminals. It's a way to justify his existence and what he does with himself. The way it's used in Infernal Affairs, I think from the opening sequence, it's less about the criminal head of this organization than it is about the two characters and the Mm -hmm. the direction, the path they take. Because the way it begins and ends, it's a bookend of kind of which direction both of them could have gone. And I think with The Departed, they don't really even give you that opportunity. It seems like the if Matt Damon's character was already involved with this guy from childhood— he didn't really have as much of a choice in which path he went. And it felt like in Infernal Affairs, there was like a defining moment where you can basically go to the light or dark side. Did you, did you feel that way as far as the sequence, the, the training sequence in particular in Infernal Affairs? Well, so, so you're questioning if the, um, the two characters in Infernal Affairs had a choice? Yeah, I'm thinking specifically the moment where the one that they call back to at the very end where he sort of walks out like gets gets uh, or he got kicked out of school right and yeah he and it, you and then it shows the other guy who hangs around and it's like there's this moment where it's like kind of like well what if that was me that sort of thing i, I don't think right. you, you never get that moment early on with the matt damon dicaprio character because they in the american version they only briefly meet i think Later in queen's office i think yeah after they've kind of already chosen their path Right, they've already chosen their paths, and uh, they they don't even see each other. But I think um, uh, Billy Costigan was you know sitting and waiting to go talk to Queenan, and mm-hmm. um, uh, what's Matt Damon's character's name? Colin Sullivan. Colin. Oh, right, Colin. Yeah, yeah. He's he's just walking out, and then he's greeted, or you know, he says bye to the uh, to the secretary. Right in the in the first one. Um, See the the thing is, I'm trying to re- remember. It, it's so weird because it's a little fuzzy now. 
I, I guess I forgot to say that I enjoyed Infernal Affairs so much the first time I watched it. I, I um, went online. I don't know if you know this, but it's a trilogy. Yeah, there's a, there's a sequel and a prequel, right? Correct. So the second one is actually a prequel, and it's about them in their youth. And so uh, Sean Yu and uh, Edison Chen, they, they are the main characters. And, it, um, and I think Sam uh, has a bigger role, too. And then the third one actually takes place right after the, the first movie. And uh, Lao becomes, you know, the, the main character at that point. I kind of forgot how it went. I, I enjoyed them. Uh, I own them somewhere, you know, somewhere around the house. But uh, I haven't really gone back to watch those because uh, I, I really think the first one was the best one. And uh, two and three, they're like supplemental stuff. You know, if, mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting to watch if you want to check them. And I, I don't even know if it's, um, if it's something where you need to watch two, then one and three. That might be an interesting bit of homework to do there. Uh, but so I'm trying to remember if like my little bit of memory of two might be kind of mixing in with uh, the viewing of Infernal Affairs. But I think, yeah, I don't, I don't remember if they had a choice. That's kind of hard for me to kind of um, answer really because I, d- I didn't really think about that or really get it. I, I don't think it was clear to me as much it w- as it was in The Departed. Um, and that's another thing, too. I feel like The Departed, why it's so much longer is because they're kind of answering things that maybe people had questions in viewing Infernal Affairs, you mm. know, and also kind of um, expanding the, the characters in the movie. But that's that's kind of what I got a little bit from watching The Departed. I go, huh. They're they're bringing this up. I wonder if that's because Infernal Affairs didn't really do that. Did you get that feeling at all? The biggest one in watching these two back to back is going back to the Jack Nicholson version of the character of uh, Frank. Was I felt like they gave more of a reason for the Colin version to turn on him at mm-hmm. the end of The Departed, whereas my reading of Infernal Affairs was he didn't have anything new any sort of new information which in the departed it's revealed that uh, frank is an fbi informant which was based on the fact that they were taking a lot of the true life story of whitey bulger to uh influence this character he was a, a real life boston gangster that sort of ran the criminal organizations there for like i think decades um and so i think that they were using that but in infernal affairs it felt more like the dirty cop just gets scared that he needs to clean up any possible loose ends. Like that he basically mm-hmm. just makes the decision that he's just sort of done with this lifestyle that the pressure's sort of getting to him. And so he just decides to turn so no one can eventually like rat him out or hold something over him. Like he's basically just done right. with it. Um, and I, I will say I like the, I, I think that's an excellent sort of reading of it, Peter, because I did prefer the departed version where we actually get the information on why he would make that decision because it's clear that, Frank is a rat and has been ratting out when he's basically done with someone, he'll rat them out to the FBI. So the Matt Damon character of Colin, he had a very valid reason to go ahead and take care of this guy and take him down. So I, I did like that better. Yeah, I agree with that because I felt that with Infernal Affairs, it being directed by Andy Lau and starring, I felt like maybe he might have had a say in how his character was going to be, you know, um, kind of portrayed towards the end. Because mm-hmm. I feel. Like Andy Lau, the character is supposed to be known to be like the good guy, 
um, always. You, you know, I I've I don't know if this is a valid comparison, but I've always well maybe when I first watched Infernal Affairs, I kind of thought of him like like a Brad Pitt or something. You know, who mm-hmm. almost never really plays like a bad role, and for him to be uh, and allow this that is um, for him to be the mole in the police department. Um, you know, he, he maybe he felt like his character needed to turn a new leaf, and there was just no explanation but that that he yeah he just wanted to go clean and kill off uh, uh, Sam and the Departed. I felt it was kind of nice to kind of keep Matt Damon the bad character um, by giving him a motive to kill Frank and kind of uh, justify his action and and not make him be the good guy like I felt Andy Lau's character ended up being in the first one. I mean, uh, in, in Infernal Affairs. It's definitely it's definitely not a star role you expect from someone of Matt Damon's cal- caliber because there's absolutely nothing likable about him as opposed to Infernal Affairs where, as you said, you get the sense that maybe some guilt has set in as far as how he's lived his life, especially the, the last shot, the way he sort of looks... You know, he, he's remembering looking at the his sort of opposing half and it's like, you know, I could have been him. I, I mm-hmm. could have done something good. And instead, I chose this path. Matt Damon's character is motivated purely by greed. And we see it from the sort of opening montage that sets up our, our characters that he's just looking at, I believe it's the state house in Boston. And just he just wants the pricey apartment with the nice view he basically wants to be something that he never was growing up which was he wants to be perceived as being upper class and having wealth and that's really the only thing that motivates him in the departed is just maintaining that image and i'm thinking specifically of the the i guess famous elevator scene in both of them in the departed version he starts weeping and you don't expect to see like a you know Jason Bourne breaking down crying saying just kill me just kill me because worse than death for him is being outed i think that's like he would just rather to be dead than be uncovered for what he is which is just truly like a duplicitous rat let me let me ask you this do you think he was being genuine in in the in that weeping cuz i, I almost thought you did i yeah i, I totally thought he he was like, because he was playing total tough guy on the scene on the roof, saying there's no way, nobody's ever going to believe you. And I think when he got in the, that elevator, I, th- I think he was being genuine. I think he thought, you know what, there's there's enough evidence of if people start looking into me that I am, my goose is cooked, basically. So I, I thought it, I thought it was genuine. But you, you think it was him manipulating DiCaprio's character? I thought so, just because, and here's the funny thing, I forgot whether or not uh, Anthony Anderson's character was good or bad. And mm. so I was just thinking at the moment that he's just, you know, just saying whatever because he knows that maybe somebody's going to be on the other end of that elevator when it opens up. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of what I thought. So I wasn't sure if he really was, you know, scared that, that he might be on, you know, on a thin line here. Um did you did you think that was kind of a a red herring the Anthony Anderson character? I think so. I think the and having seen the Departed first, uh, I other than being in a state of paranoia like um, the DiCaprio character, 
I didn't really read that much into it, but definitely when I did it for this podcast, watching both back to back, I realized they were almost messing with fans of Infernal Affairs. That if you had seen that and you were coming into it, because the way the elevator sequence plays out, the timeline and the characters, as you said, Anthony Anderson, that version of the character is not in an Infernal Affairs. Mm-hmm. Like that's that is someone not to be trusted. It's basically you know the the first one, like it's just a sort of a three man thing there in the elevator sequence and. Uh, I think it's darker than The Departed, and it's a fun way to tip your cap to the original and kind of mess with the fans. So if you had seen Infernal Affairs, I think that was that was like a, probably a really cool sequence because it caught you just off guard. You, you kind of know what's going to happen, but they did it just slightly in a different way to still make it fun for those fans. Yeah, I think it, it definitely messed with me for the viewing of this podcast was because I was like, oh, yeah, he, he's bad because that's how Infernal Affairs played it. Mm-hmm. And then when that, you know, the fourth guy came, I'm like, that's right. Okay. I, you know, I completely have forgotten. Um, but uh, what do you think about, uh, the love story behind it? Um, having, you know, the departed having just the one main love interest. And then in the infernal affairs, each, each character, um, Yan and Inspector Lao, they both had their own girlfriends. Well, uh, Yan wasn't a girlfriend, but he had a psychiatrist that he would see that was kind of the love interest for him. I think it's it's weird for me because if you just explain it like that, the Infernal Affairs love story sounds more realistic because it's, you know, it's very movie-like to have the love triangle. You know, this woman interacts with both men, but she doesn't really know that they know each other or are playing such a vital role in the other mm-hmm. one's lives. Uh, that seems very Hollywood. That being said, even though The Departed is a longer movie, it feels like they take some shortcuts that from that work for me. Um, what I didn't really like about the Infernal Affairs love story angle is the dirty cop's girlfriend, fiance, uh, they're moving in together. She's basically like the um, a Greek chorus. She's like, her character is uh, a novelist, I believe, a writer, and... She's writing about this character, and she's able to talk about her lover through that book by saying, like, I can't figure out if he's good or bad. And she's, I mean, it's a really sort of emotional scene where she's she's talking to him about him, but she's right. doing it through this novel. Like, it's it's interesting when you watch it, but I also feel like that loses all realism that it gained over The Departed, because I feel like someone in that position... I, I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking for myself. I don't think I'm going to confront someone that I'm suspicious of as being like a sociopathic like liar who is willing to like lie, cheat, steal and murder to get what he wants. Because I guess I just don't have the balls that that character did to actually confront this person, even if I'm doing it through like, you know, this supposed novel talk. But uh, for me, I guess the Hollywood version worked better just because I think it kind of streamlined it a little bit. And it's not quite as showy with those sort of sequences. What What did you feel? I I agree with you. I actually like the um, the, the version in the Departed better, um, almost to the T. Actually, almost everything you said. I I didn't really care for the love triangle, but I think it was just so more effective with the reveal at the end. In mm-hmm. Infernal Affairs, Inspector Lau comes home, and um, isn't she? She she's not listening to the to the 
uh, the recordings yet, right? She actually plays no. it while he's home. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then in uh, Infernal Affairs, because no, in The Departed, because it's a love triangle, um, we see um, Colin Sullivan. He well, he's in the shower, right? So he's taking a shower, and what's the girl's name? The uh, the doctor. Her name is Madeline. Madeline. That's a. Yeah, that doesn't sound right, but yeah. So Madeline, <laughs> Madeline, she, uh, you know, she's looking through the mail and sees that there's a package addressed to him from W. Um, Costigan, which you know she knows that's Billy. Uh, so you know she throws that in, and then you know she's got the headphones on and hears it herself. It's just the way it's directed, and and I just felt, uh, you know, there's just more like good baggage that comes with that storyline. You know, well, because whereas, she thinks that he's outing her. She thinks that he's going to out their affair together. That, that's what I find interesting about it is that's the reason she opens that up is because she's been having an affair right. with him. And she sees that and she thinks that he's contacted her boyfriend and is going to maybe not screw her over because maybe he's doing it just to end that relationship so they can be together. But, yeah, that's. That's the extra element by having the love triangle that I think actually works is that yeah. she doesn't initially do it to get into her boyfriend's business, but she thinks it's going to reveal her duplicity to him. Yes. Yeah. And then to be honest, I didn't really care um, for Inspector Lau's uh, girlfriend. Like I didn't really care about their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she finds out, you know, about the recordings and listening to it. I, it just, it, not that it didn't work for me. I just didn't care. You know, I, right. I can't put it in any other words. And, you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, uh, Madeline, she only opens it up because what she, she, what she thinks it might be. She doesn't know that it's, uh, recordings of, of, um, you know, Colin talking to Frank. Um, mm-hmm. See, because uh, Billy, he gives her an envelope early on. I'm assuming, obviously, that, that it's instructions to Dignum. Dignum? Mm-hmm. Dignum. Dignum, yeah. Dignum, yeah, to you know, explain what's going on. Um, and that's something I, I kind of want to get a little bit into, too. But uh, I, I kind of want to joke how, like, yeah, Madeline shouldn't have opened up you know, that because that's a federal offense, opening up somebody's mail. <laughs> but... But I, someone really has to know you to get why that's so important. Yeah, <laughs> important to well, you. And maybe that's a little incentive for them to check out the show and find out. But um, you want to go yeah, ahead and pimp I, your other show here so they can find out exactly. Oh yeah, hydrate level four or uh, on Twitter at HLF podcast. I'll <laughs> obviously plug that at the end again. Um, yeah, I just I, I just thought the yeah the triangle usually not a big fan of because it's pretty much cliche like you said it's a hollywood thing but i just thought it was really effective and um just good directing and story writing uh for for how that all uh, kind of came together did you have any more thoughts on on the, well, it, that whole thing? It, it goes back to what you were saying is that it gives it gives the characters in the departed version more reasons to do what they do like mm-hmm. Other than, I guess, I don't even want to say that in Infernal Affairs, the love interest is being nosy because it is about someone that is in her personal life. But it just makes all the elements of why people turn on each other in The Departed, they have a valid reason to do so. They have a reason to, like, investigate something because it it affects them and what they've been doing. Um, So, I mean, there's even that sequence with... 
DiCaprio and Farmiga where they're talking about, you know, do you ever lie? Do you lie in your daily life? And I feel like that's emphasized more in The Departed about how we lie to ourselves and lie to everyone else. Whereas in Infernal Affairs, it's more about the two men, the cop and the dirty cop lying to themselves about like sort of the past they've chosen. It's more personal mm. in Infernal Affairs, whereas in The Departed, I think Scorsese is having a little more fun with it and that he's calling everyone a rat. I mean, that's that's why you reveal that Frank Costello is an FBI informant. It's not just the Waddy Bulger aspect. That's why you reveal that the love interest is betraying, like, one, you know, her live-in boyfriend, the, the man that she thinks she's going to have a baby with. Like, Scorsese is basically saying everyone has two sides here, and not everyone knows, has, like, the full picture. Um, which, that leads into something I think you want to talk about, because I certainly want to talk about it, is Dignum. Like, mm-hmm. Dignum, <laughs> to me... He's not in Infernal Affairs, um, this character, because as you, you mentioned the sequel that comes about. The, the ending of The Departed is greatly different from the ending of Infernal Affairs, what happens right. to the dirty cop. Um, in The Departed, the force of Dignum, played by Mark Wahlberg, and he is a force. I mean, from the moment he's introduced, he is brutally offensive to basically everyone he meets. And... He is not talking as if he's any sort of professional. Like, he, he is talking probably worse than the criminals we see in Jack Nicholson's organizations to coworkers, to yeah. you know, people who work for the federal government, uh, fellow police officers. Superiors, and, like Alec so, yeah. Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think he's there. He's there, one, for comedic relief, because almost every time he's on screen, especially with him and Alec Baldwin, it, it makes me laugh. It is hilarious, some of the interactions they have with each other. But he's also there because he is like truly, I guess, the only honest man there. He is he is saying exactly what he's thinking and what he means at all times. Like, and even when Matt Damon, you know, asks him, uh, or no, it's not Matt Damon. When one of the other lackeys asks him, like, "Do you have anyone in Costello's organization?" Like, he knows he has to keep that information to himself, but he still can't help saying, you know, maybe, maybe not, maybe fuck yourself. Like, he, you know, he has to be, like, offensive. So, I I think he's there as a plot point because he will he will bring ultimate closure and revenge to the Colin Sullivan character. He will, as you said, uh, Madeline will get him the information for basically digging him to handle the business. When the police can't do it, he will. Um and it's just, it's something that as much as I enjoyed it in The Departed, I don't think that character would have worked in Infernal Affairs. It, I don't think, I, I actually like that he's missing from Infernal Affairs because he, he gives The Departed a, a very different tone. So what, what did you think about Dignum as a character? I, I really liked him. Um, I mean, for, for all the points that you made, uh, I, I was just kind of w- wondering, what do you think about how they wrote in later on? Because the the ones that analyze the movies really well they they'll be like okay what's going to happen with Dignam's character because he just kind of quits he's got to come back right mm-hmm. i think for casual watchers they'll be like oh he quit and that's the end of him you know <laughs> and i'm thinking this is a movie about people not trusting each other and betrayal and things of that nature mm-hmm. i just thought it was a little lack of a better word kind of weak for uh damon's character to kind of be like hey you know f- forget about dignam you know, this and that and this and that, you know, later on, I'm just like, well, no, you can't forget about him because he... You're saying Colin should have known better. He should have known. He, <laughs> yeah, because Dignam is the only other person who knows about DiCaprio. 
Mm-hmm. So I was just like, how are you so easy to kind of just wave off his character? So I just thought that was a little, again, lack of a better word, weak. Yeah. But it, 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 it all kind of plays out. Um, you know, I, th- I thought it was fine. Um, but I, my favorite scene, I think, is with him and Alec Baldwin where they're in the office. Uh, I think they're about to, t- <laughs> yeah. And, he, and Baldwin asked him, oh, how's your mom? And, um, you know, I don't want to butcher the line, but, he, you know, it, and then he's like, oh, you know, fine, she, you know, fuck my dad last night or something. <laughs> um, it was just a really great exchange. It, I, it I thought they did really well. Two guys you can tell are totally comfortable with each other. Even when they're insulting the other one, they just let it roll off their back. Like, it's just like, it's almost like they're doing a comedic routine. Like, it's just like, you, you can tell they're, they're two guys who have been around the block together uh, a number of times, which um, I think I think shows, you know, the Alec Baldwin character is what, Matt Damon's cop wants to become. He wants to. He wants to get to the point where he's sort of in charge. Where because they both don't seem to. There's a scene where Baldwin asks him after um, Colin has helped Frank basically finger the wrong guy. Like he basically Frank throws one of his underlings under the bus uh, for committing the crime of murdering these two uh, guys from Rhode Island, the two gangsters who come into town that right. Billy beats up. And that, it's it's interesting. It's because it's full circle. That's Billy beats them up to gain the attention of Frank. And so he can get in the organization, kind of like his in. Uh-huh. And Frank takes care of, he takes care of it to save DiCaprio's character. But to do so, he has to have someone else in his crew murdered. You know, he, he, it's not like he handles it in a tough guy situation like, I'll protect you. No, he sacrifices another pawn. And the Colin character is the one that helps do that. And there's a conversation later where Alec Baldwin's character of Ellerby asks Colin if he's okay with that. Like, you know that guy probably didn't do it, right? You know he's like a, he's a patsy. And Colin's like, well, I mean, it's in the books. You know, we, we get our numbers up. And Ellerby says, uh, you, my son, like, are a cop now or something like, so it's like, you know, that he's someone unlike Dignam, that he's just there to basically do his job and get paid and go home. Whereas Dignam, Dignam doesn't even care if he's on leave. He doesn't care if he's suspended. He's still somewhere lurking in the shadows and he's going to get whoever the actual guy is. Like he will, if he has to take the law in his own hand. So I think it was kind of an interesting difference between the Dignam character and Ellerby that they both wanted to bring down Frank, but one of them truly wanted it more than the other. The other guy could clock out at night and go home and, you know, sleep well. And you just get the impression that Dignam, he goes home and he's still, like, obsessing over how to take down Costello. Like, he never leaves work at the office. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And kind of like Dignam being a new character in here, there's a character, a small character, in uh, Infernal Affairs um, that was not in the departed uh is a brief scene i don't even know if we get a name um but it is uh yan's um former girlfriend who is seen uh you know walking on the street with her daughter um obviously we're kind of led to believe that it's his daughter but she kind of lies to him you know how old the daughter is and mm-hmm. that kind of leads him to believe that yeah it possibly can't be mine because the you know the age just doesn't match up um, but she actually, uh, I don't know if you know this, but she obviously has a role in part two because it is a prequel and they addressed that then. Mm. Um, but in the first Infernal Affairs, I wonder, had they thought that forward in time that they would bring this character back in the second one? But why do you think that it was even in? Is it to kind of show 
the humanity maybe of Yan, that he is a real character that he did once love, despite, you know, kind of, you know, kind of being uh, seduced by the dark side, I guess. I don't know if, if that's. Yeah, I, th- I think we get some of that in The Departed with um, Billy caring for his dying mother at the very mm-hmm. beginning. Like you, because otherwise these are just kind of stock characters. It's just like the white hat and the black hat, basically like an old western. And I also think it it plays into more of the melodrama of Infernal Affairs, where it's the the you know the past not taken. That if he was not involved in that criminal organization, at least to that woman, they could have had maybe a life together because clearly she carried his child and still had the baby. But with the the type of people he's involved with professionally, that's just not a life to be a father or be a family man. He just couldn't do it. But mm-hmm. it, it makes it sadder with his death later because you're like that, he, you know, he could have been happy, you know, in another life. Um, I think that it's, it's the way they implement it in the departed is there's that question of if Madeline is actually carrying Billy's child as opposed to Collins, because for me, there's only there's no other reason to bring up the fact in the departed that Colin may be impotent. Yeah, you know, they bring up there's some sexual hangups going on that they're having mm-hmm. some sexual problems, and other than just trying to, you know, comment on maybe Colin's masculinity in some way, I think it's only there so that the viewer can be like, oh, I bet her the baby is actually Billy's when they had their their night together. So. Uh, it's kind of like a like the elevator scene. I think it's a nod back to Infernal Affairs, but they kind of handle it in a slightly different way. So if you were mm-hmm. a fan of Infernal Affairs, um, it's like instead of it happening and him meeting his child later, Billy is never going to know his child because he's deceased at that point. Like she will go on and raise the the Costkin baby. So I, I, I like it. I actually like it in both. I don't really have a preference either way. I think it works mm-hmm. in the context of either film the way they d- decide to do it. Yeah, well, one thing I uh, I liked what The Departed added um, to the subplot of the, uh, gosh, see, there's just so many characters in The Departed, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the scene where uh, the whole, you know, Martin Sheen's, it's about to get thrown off the, uh, the, the ceiling. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, it's all of that. Um, actually, let's talk about that now. Martin Sheen getting thrown off the building. I know, okay, so Infernal Affairs, Inspector Wong gets thrown off a building, lands on, uh, on, a, on a car. Uh, and I know that it was kind of tough to have him go on a car uh, for this because they're supposed to be at a vacated building. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, vacant building? Vacated means there's people in it, right? <laughs> no, that's no. supposed. Okay, that's right. Okay, that almost didn't sound right. Um <laughs> For those that don't know, uh, English is my second language. So, the as it is mine in Kentucky, right? (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we wanted to get together to uh, (laughs) to do this. But okay, so the where where Martin Sheen and DiCaprio are meeting is supposed to be, you know, an empty building where there's not a lot of traffic going on. I'm assuming that's why there's no car to fall on. You know, whereas Infernal Affairs. It was, you know, uh, uh, it was like a like a business building of some sort. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't remember what kind of building it was, but uh, it was, you know, in the middle of a busy city, you know, out in the open. Uh, do you have a preference in which was more dramatic for the character of Yan and Billy to witness their 
you know, the, you know, Infernal Affairs, it was the one guy that, that knows what's going on. It right. was departed. There's two guys, but just to see that the, the person they had been working with for, for the, you know, however many years, I think in Infernal Affairs, they said it was 10 years. Um, I don't know if the depart- departed ever mentions it, but we're probably assuming the same, probably about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you have a preference in which you think was a little bit more dramatic? Because um, they're kind of done think, differently. Yeah, I certainly think the uh, the departed version is uh, more excessively violent. Uh, the way it's done, I mean, you see the blood like splatter and like cover uh, DiCaprio's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as which one is more dramatically satisfying, I think. Um, yeah, you know, it's something we hadn't talked about. The relationship between uh, this cop that has infiltrated this criminal organization in both. And in, in Infernal Affairs, his superior, it, it's more like a begrudging professional relationship that has, mm-hmm. you know, that you, you see this sort of, uh, hey, it's your birthday. You know, this sort of exchange of like, clearly these are people that have been working together for a long time and they don't. Uh, it's always going to be that relationship from a distance just because of the nature of the business that they're operating that they can't be seen together. It's not like they're going to go to the movies or hang out or go bowling. You know, it's always this clandestine thing. So it was, it was cool to see that friendship in the departed. It's, it's like more of a father figure. Um, mm-hmm. you, you see Martin Sheen's character of queen in, in the very opening sequence before the, even the title comes up. Uh, he basically says, you know, you've you've lived a double life before from your mother's side and your father's side of the family. Uh, do it again. And he said, do it for me, which is an interesting way to like, you know, for the American version to put that in. They they try to heighten this personal relationship, I think, much more so than Infernal Affairs. And I think Infernal Affairs, it works better for me just more as a friendship and this sort of mutual appreciation for like what the other one is trying to do, because it's like they're they're in the foxhole together. I don't really like the fatherhood angle, like the adopted father that Martin Sheen plays in The Departed. Um, I, I guess it just depends on which one uh, touches you more, but I felt like The Departed version was a little more false. It didn't feel as realistic. I agree with that. Um, now, I think also that uh, Yan's character and Billy Costigan, I think they are probably the two characters that well they're the same character in the movies but the the two actors play that type of character completely different mm-hmm. in, in my opinion i think everyone else is pretty close to their counterparts but um do you have a preference in which role you liked better i kind of like yan's character better cuz it seemed like he has been in the underworld longer and has he's a, he's a little bit more calm around things and it's more grounded uh, yeah, DiCaprio's performance, I really liked it when I first watched it. And it's not that the performance is less than for me now. I think he's really good here, but he's, when you're just watching these two, as for this podcast, as a pure double feature, he is extremely edgy compared mm-hmm. to Yan. It's just like, he, he looks like he's getting ready to like take his gun out of his back pocket and just shoot up the place. You know, there's that, this violent rage in him that's not in Infernal Affairs. So yeah. I would agree with you that I, I like the, the cop better in Infernal Affairs. As, as you said, he's just, he's cooler. He's more, he's more world wary. Like he's been doing this for so long that he's kind of jaded to his life. Whereas DiCaprio seems like he's ready to quit at any moment. Like he's getting ready to like kind of go over the edge. It's it's an interesting take. I think it's cool to, for the remake to 
give it a different flavor. But if you're asking me just to pick one or the other, I'm going Infernal Affairs as far as how the, the cop handles himself. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, I, I, I like DiCaprio's portrayal of his character. I mean, it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, seeking, uh, you know, Oxycontin and, uh, yeah. he's very edgy and he, uh, <laughs> it's even, a weird meet cute, isn't it? <laughs> a little <laughs> bit. Meet your new girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and he even threatens her that, yeah, he, that he would just, you know, kill himself. So right. there, there's all those little things too, that is just really different. Um, yeah, I just like Ian's character cause it, it just makes me feel that he's been in, uh, um, undercover a, a lot longer. Um, because didn't they say that Costigan just got, what was the four months thing? What, he had been released for four months or he got kicked out four months ago from the police academy? Yeah, he, uh, well, he had to, I guess it was his, his false cover of having to serve uh, for like an assault charge so that he could actually have like a, some sort of criminal record to be put in. Okay, so he went to jail uh, for four months? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know, it's... You know, for as much as they try to handle in the departed things that questions you might have in Infernal Affairs, that that's kind of one cheat they have. And they have Jack Nicholson's uh, Frank comment on it later that he's like, I don't know if this is Queenan who got you kicked out of the Stades and then, you know, trumped up this false charge just so you could get in my crew. He's like, I just can't be sure. And it to, to me, like, it never really answers, like, if you even have those questions and you're, like, this head of this criminal organization, why even take the chance? Like, why even why even risk that? Like, it's just, like, just don't use this guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, if he was ever affiliated with any sort of police organization, I don't really want him involved in my crew. Unless mm-hmm. I'm using him like the Colin character where he's a rat, a mole. Um, but I think they try to paint the Jack Nicholson version uh, of this mob boss as just someone who he likes to toe that line and walk right up to the edge of danger. Because later on, uh, Billy will have a conversation with him. Like you've got enough money. Like, why are you still doing this? Like, why are you basically running the risk of being taken down or killed by one of your own people? And he responds is like, well, I haven't needed the money since like, I, you know, stole a kid's like lunch money back like in elementary school. So it's like, you know, I guess that's their answer is that this guy, he sort of lives on that adrenaline rush of almost getting caught. But, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's a satisfying answer either. It is, but if, if you don't buy into that conceit, you don't have a movie either. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to. Um, one of the explanations, I, I didn't get a chance to get to it earlier, but when in, uh, in Infernal Affairs, I think the character's name is Kung, that um, when Yan gets to the, you know, the, scene, the scene of the crime where you know, Inspector Wong is thrown off the building, he leaves with Kung. Kung or Kang? I'm going to go with Kung. That sounds right. Yeah, it's, it's Kung. Um, he leaves with him, and when it is discovered later that Kung uh, you know, died in that car accident, it was dropped that uh, he was an undercover cop. Mm-hmm. I think The Departed did it better where, um, you know, when that news came out, I think it was Mr. French, you know, he was like, oh, they only said he was a cop, so we wouldn't look. For- no, no, maybe it was. That's Frank, was it? I think. It was Frank. Okay, yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. So, yeah, it was Frank that says, you know, they only said he was a cop, so we'd stop looking for a cop. I don't mm-hmm. think Infernal Affairs addressed that. 
Yeah, there's there's all sorts of I guess strategy and tactics. Uh, like we're going back to even with you know the love story or anything where it's decisions are made and then you see like I guess the the counter move like on why someone else would reveal that information or how they would act when they get it and the departed the departed just puts that sort of on the table for the audience mm-hmm. here so yeah I think that's just another element that's clearer in the departed uh, and I also like the death scene better in the departed where the the other guy instead of being a car wreck mm-hmm. you know he's shot and he he just he basically challenges uh billy Koskin to saying like you know why did i give you the wrong address why didn't i rat you out like once i realized you're a cop you know that 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 whole scene is one of the times where it is more emotionally satisfying in the departed than in infernal affairs i think and am i wrong or did they reverse that whole scene with uh oh you're a cop uh right was it um in the in the departed did they say if People are not paying attention to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they reversed that. And I guess I didn't catch that before in The Departed. But but that maybe that's because I watched Infernal Affairs before. So I it was a little bit more right there. And also um, the, uh, the the second guy uh, in The Departed, he's got a really thick Irish accent. So <laughs> yeah. it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> but I do watch things with uh, movies with subtitles anyway. So... I don't know. I guess I just never caught it that they say if people are not paying attention to you, then they're a cop. I just don't believe that. I think if they are paying attention to you and if you see them and they look away, they're more than likely to be a cop, which is I think you know, it was the case in Infernal Affairs. Like the, uh, I mean, it was more comedic than the elevator scene, but it was kind of a way to mess with fans of Infernal Affairs. And also yeah. it's a way to set up that joke where they, they hit on that woman who won't have any of it. And they're like, oh, she's a cop. That's why she won't, like, you know, she won't look at us because it's not because she's not attractive. It's because she's a cop. It's just kind of right, it's okay. more humorous in The Departed. You're right. Yeah, that joke does play play well because if, uh, yeah, because it doesn't play exactly like that in Infernal Affairs. But yeah, if they say, oh, you know, if, if a woman walked by, it wouldn't play out the same way. So, right. yeah, okay, I, I get that. Um I'm trying to think of any other character. Well, Mr. French, you know, that's a new character. Uh, what do you think about the henchman of um, uh, Ray Winston? I think he's he's mostly there like Mark Wahlberg for comedic relief. There, it's And it's I think it's predicated on the fact on how edgy DiCaprio chose to play this role that you need like this sort of calm personality who's also funny. And then just in the way they meet, where he's like, you know, <laughs> DiCaprio gets af- offended because someone's making fun of his uh, cranberry juice that he's drinking at the bar, and he attacks this guy, and Frenchie comes in and is like, now that's not quite a guy that you can't hit, but I'm going to make a ruling now <laughs> that that's a guy that you don't hit. You know, it's just like, because I'm the guy that you can't hit, so I'm going to I'm gonna put this right here. And, yeah, he's... He's the middleman. He's the, he's the the gateway to get to Frank Costello, but it's also someone for Jack Nicholson to play off of. And Jack Nicholson is like so loud and over the top in this as he often mm-hmm. is that I think you need someone as sort of centered but still funny as uh, Ray Winstone to play Mister French because I, I love the dynamic between him and Frank. I love just seeing those two together when they're sort of talking shop and talking strategy. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, do we want to get into talking about Jack Nicholson and his casting? Well, yeah, uh, that was something that I definitely wanted to bring up with you. Um, and just a little inside baseball for our listeners, which I, I hope they're in the thousands for this first you know, episode that we didn't announce anyone until we dropped it. But uh, yeah. 
we we are operating kind of on a loose outline, uh, which we've we've thankfully deviated from. You know, we've had more to talk about than just those stupid little notes I came up with. But uh, one thing I did, I remembered when this came out was there were some people that really liked what Jack Nicholson did here, and there are some people that found him to be way too over the top and obnoxious. So that's something I wanted to ask you. Like, did you like him in the way he portrayed the the mob boss here, or did he kind of grate on your nerves? I'm I'm really mixed. Um, I like it because it is different from the Sam uh, Sam character, but I do think that it's so far different. It it kind of was over the top for me because um, I know that there were um, things done in the movie that were Nicholson's decision. You know, mm-hmm. like the scene in the in the you know porno theater. You know, with with him with that dildo. <laughs> I, I I think that was Nicholson's idea. <laughs> Uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, which, you know, we, it, I, it's funny, but we could have done without it. Um, he's definitely drawing I, I more know. attention to himself. And that's, uh, the other one I was thinking of, which I'd actually forgotten about the dildo thing being his, but you're, you're right about that. Um, the scene where he's questioning the, uh, character of Costigan and inquiring basically in a, not so subtle way if he's a rat. I mean, he's sketching rats, like, fleeing, uh-huh. like, you know, a city or a ship or something on this, like, restaurant, on this, like, table. And he's challenging DiCaprio. And then after they resolve, you know, that, I guess, interrogation, if you want to call it that, he walks off. And apparently that was supposed to be the end of the scene. And Nicholson comes back and you can see him, like, holding his finger up to... uh Ray Winstone to Mr. French, basically to don't not say anything, and he just hovers over Leonardo DiCaprio. And DiCaprio, you can tell, actually gets kind of, you know, he, he seems extremely nervous, but it's because that was unplanned. Like, Jack Nicholson was not supposed to walk back into the scene, like, to, like, I think get his lighter or cigarettes. He was just doing it just to mess with DiCaprio. And it actually works in the film, because that's a whole scene where DiCaprio thinks he's, his character is going to be killed. So, yeah, yeah I think... Look, Nick, Nicholson is never going to be accused of being subtle. So I, I think that if you like what he's doing, you certainly get a lot of it. But there may be just a little bit too much. Just need to pull back just a little bit. What What do you think if if you just took out Frank's character completely and it was Mr. French? How do you think that would affect the film? If I don't Mr. think it would have been a Scorsese movie. I don't. I don't. Because yeah. Scorsese. I mean, as violent as he's made stuff like Casino and Goodfellas, uh, there's always an element of fun to his movies. And I think that that's what Nicholson brings Mm because he's definitely funny. He's dangerous and he's violent and he's a psychopath, but he also has a lot of funny lines and I like it. I think that you would have had to, you would have needed a different tone. If Mr. French was the gangster, it would, it could have been a good movie. It just would have been very different. I don't think it would have been as loud and brash and wouldn't have had like the Rolling Stones playing in the background. I, th- I think it would have been a much more grounded crime film. So, yeah, I really like the music in this movie too. Um, the Departed. Now, okay, so let's say we keep Frank's character. Would you have liked it to be somebody else uh, playing that role? Like, do you think somebody else could have been better or? made it different and still still be good. Um, like I said, like it, another character wouldn't be as over the top as Jack Nicholson, in my opinion. 
And it, it just, it really does draw the attention to him and less about the, you know, our, our two characters, like in Infernal Affairs, Yan and uh, Wong, right. you know, where you don't have Sam being over the top. He's actually, he's actually a man of a few words, you know, and yeah, he's yeah. a man of little stature, you know, so mm-hmm. I thought like maybe a Joe Pesci could have played that role as Frank. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think you, with if you're going into the cast characters, Joe Pesci, especially the sort of little man, Napoleon complex, mm-hmm. would definitely have done the trick. Uh, he's been the most violent aspect of both uh, Goodfellas and Casino that I mentioned. I mean, he's the most threatening character, and it's kind of the weird dichotomy of the fact that he is such a smaller man that he is someone that you sort of walk to the other side of the street if you see him when he's playing those characters. Like, I don't want anything to do with that guy. Uh because you could totally take uh, Pesci out of Goodfellas, throw him in here, and have the same scene as, am I <laughs> yes. funny to you? Am I, am I yes. a clown? <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if it necessarily would have dialed it down uh, a notch, but it would have, at times, it would have been more menacing than what Nicholson's character is here. Nicholson, mm-hmm. because he is so charming and he's been a movie star, like, in well, for me and you, for our entire lives, he's always been. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a a list star. I think that uh, sometimes he is too charming for his own good, and you like you kind of like being around and seeing him on screen. That you forget that uh, ultimately this guy uh, is not someone that's supposed to be likable, and he's supposed to you know you're supposed to fear him. So that, you know that works against him. I I liked Nicholson. I sort of I liked what he brought to it. Um, but I also feel like Infernal Affairs. If you have those complaints. Uh, Infernal Affairs sort of corrects those issues. You know, it dials it back to a more grounded level. So, uh, if you kind of want that flavor, I would I would recommend Infernal Affairs uh, over The Departed. If you have problems with the Frank Costello character, yeah, it, I mean, and I don't want to call it a problem because I can still enjoy The Departed. I mean, I mm-hmm. I, I would still give it a five star movie. Um, I, I'm just thinking like to the death of Frank's character, like how it would be different, um, based on like what you said and, and, you know, my idea of the character, if he is more menacing, I feel that, um, uh, Frank's character would be more of a fist pump if it was, a uh, you know, kind of seen it, if it was Joe Pesci, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, he deserved it with like what you said about Jack Nicholson having kind of the charm, it, it was kind of. I, I don't know what your thoughts were or emotion of Frank dying, but I was kind of more focused on the Colin character when Frank died because of the uh, the motivation. So that right. kind of took me away from the death. What what did you think about that? Yeah, I think that by the time you know Frank shows up and you see Colin is telling. Um, back of the office people that he's he's taking control of queen and mole that he's in contact with him and they can grab if as long as they remove the tails that they can grab costello tonight uh yeah i was more into i guess the mechanics of this takedown than i was any sort of i guess emotional impact that costello was finally shot and taken down i was i, I totally agree with you i think it's it's at that point you don't really even care I, Actually, this is kind of it's interesting. I was more affected by Frenchie being killed than was Costello. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just because uh, I felt like he didn't deserve as much. You know, Costello, he took all those risks when he was told not to and he still did it. So it felt inevitable that he was going to die. Uh, Frenchie did not feel inevitable. I thought that, 
you know, he could go on and lead a pretty normal, I guess, criminal lifestyle. But yeah, it was it was much more affecting when he dies than it was for me than Costello. Hmm. I think there should be a remake of The Departed, <laughs> a two way de- uh, remake where where Frenchy French. Mr. French is is the only guy, and then the Joe Pesci as the Frank character. Um, do we go over any of the cultural differences? I mean, because I'm not I'm not Chinese, but I am Asian, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't really pick up any any like um, East versus West type of differences. Really, uh, Hong Kong is a big city, just as is Boston. Um, I almost said Boston. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's due to my ignorance, but I feel like that they, they tried to amp up the culture that it was set in and the departed way more than infernal affairs because the departed yeah. opens with this historical clips of basically, uh, the racism of the city mm. and some of the, the struggles that they faced, which is just interesting. They're, with The Departed, they are not just saying this is an American remake, but they're saying this is a Boston remake of Infernal Affairs. So it's that as a character in the film. I don't, I mean, maybe it's, like I said, my ignorance. I didn't feel like Infernal Affairs, it could have been Hong Kong. It could have been Los Angeles. I felt like that plot could have taken place anywhere, whereas The Departed was proud of its mm-hmm. sort of Boston ties. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, can't think of anything else. I mean, there's no talk about religion uh, or anything like that. But they, the only thing um, different with the beginning is that they, they kind of discuss about, you know, um, the word infernal, right. Or mm-hmm. kind of, kind of the play on play on the title. Uh, but you're right. Uh, infernal affairs could really could have taken place anywhere. Um, do we want to get well, into, mm, I yeah. just want to touch on the, uh, the infernal cause we hadn't talked about that. We talked about Dignam coming back and getting revenge and sort of wrapping up by by killing Colin. Yes. He sort of ends this particular case. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, who's going to take Frank's spot in uh, the Boston sort of crime lords. We don't know what's going to happen to Dignam in particular, if he's ever going to get caught or come back and be a cop. But what I found interesting about Infernal Affairs was the punishment was, if you don't watch the sequels, which I haven't, the punishment was basically... Uh, he gets away with it, but he's going to suffer a fate worse than hell. That's that's how I sort of read those quotes and everything was that he was going to live in sort of a constant sort of purgatory-like existence of knowing that he had done evil. And really, it's just his conscience that weighs on him. Whereas in the American version, <laughs> he gets ended with bullets. He gets put in the ground. Yeah, I don't want to uh, spoil Infernal Affairs 3, but um, Inspector Lau's character does kind of get his upends. Um, I, I didn't feel that Infernal 2 or 3 were a waste of my time. They're actually worth watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would actually kind of recommend it. I, again, it's just like, you know, supplemental, uh, you know, storylines and, and stuff like that to, to watching the original, uh, Infernal Affairs. So if, if, uh, I think if you're a big fan of the first one, definitely check out 2 and 3 also. And, Do you think that's and, a and, cultural thing that Americans need to have the loop closed that we, like, the American audiences get more angry when the um, the ending is more open ended, where we don't see the bad guys are punished. You know, I I don't know. It, it just seems that that seems to be kind of the norm, uh, really, in recent memory. Like a lot of movies are kind of um, kind of ended, left for the viewers to kind of interpret their own ending. You, you know, so so a, 
a lot of times I'm starting to watch movies and I'm like, wait, wait that's it? So, so what happens? And then I'm kind of left, <laughs> you know, to kind of figure it out myself. Whereas like, it, it just feels like the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the East, you know, side of the world, they, well, let's just say Asian cinema. It, it just seems that they, if they have a big hit, they just keep going on and adding sequels. And sometimes they're not even direct sequels, but they just kind of, uh, include them in that franchise. Like, for example, Ang Bak, which is, you know, a Thai film. And then they came out with like two and three. And I think three has nothing to do with one and two. They just, <laughs> they just call it that, you know? So, so it's, uh, I think that is a thing in Asian cinema, but, um, Infernal Affairs, it, at least it's all the same storyline and same characters. Uh, did, did you watch any of the Ang Bak movies? Mm-mm, I have not. And I, I want to say, let me plug my other show real quick. Okay. War Machine Horse, which you can find on Twitter at War Machine Horse and on iTunes or Stitcher, War Machine versus War Horse. I bring it up not only just because I want to plug our shows as many times as possible in this extra project, but because my co host on that uh, podcast, Shane, is actually big into uh, Asian cinema. So we just have the wrong guy on today. He's, he's watched a lot <laughs> of that stuff. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, um, I did not like part two of Ang Bak, and I think that's because it, it took place in like a different era. You know, it wasn't even like a modern times like the first one was. It was the same actor, Tony Ja, but playing like some, it was it was a completely different movie. You know, like mm-hmm. he, I think most people would be like, how is this a sequel? Because it's not. It's, it, they just gave it the same title. Um, but yeah, the... The Infernal Fair trilogy, uh, it it, it kind of does at the end of the first Infernal Fair. It's like wait, wait, wait. so this the, the bad guy wins. You know, he kind of he, mm. he really does win. And and if you just watch the first one, yeah, he kind of does. Um, you know, but but he does turn a new leaf too. So you can say that's you know that's the story arc of his character, uh, which I don't really sympathize with his character, and I don't care that he turned a new leaf at the end to be to be honest <laughs> and if you're kind of in the same boat maybe maybe it would be interesting for you to check out infernal affairs 3 you know and i think i'm gonna do that some someday uh where maybe i go back and watch two and then one and three mm. and, and see if that changes anything and um maybe i can do that after i watch um uh, point blank well, that kind of leads into. <laughs> you <still laughs> like got you, yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, I was I was starting to go in to wrap up our show, and then you're bringing it full circle again to the very beginning when we started talking this morning. Um, but to our listeners, uh, if for, if for whatever reason they've listened to this very spoiler filled discussion of both films, which would you suggest they watch if they've not seen either? Uh, the original or the remake, does the remake do justice to the original if they kind of choose that that path? And if you watch just the remake, uh, do you get a good sense of why the original was so successful and deserved to be remade? So uh, I'll put that to you first. Uh, which one? And do you think the remake did it all justice here? This this is a really tough question. Uh, those are really tough questions because uh, th- they're both very good movies. Um, I guess it really depends on the viewer. You know, do you do you mind a two and a half hour movie? No, well, watch The Departed. If you want something a little bit more condensed, um, Infernal Affairs. I mean, I I would actually recommend them both, but they both do it a little bit differently. You know, you and I we have discussed that 
The Departed is more of a crime thriller, whereas Infernal Affairs is more of a crime drama. So it's a little Mm -hmm. bit more slow. You still get your action sequences. They're not as violent, um, and there are less characters. (laughs) And I don't want to sound racist, but it might be harder to kind of keep track of the Asian characters. Where, you know, with the the remake, it's an American remake, so the American audience are going to know the actors more, and they're going to mm-hmm. kind of figure out who's who, despite the star-studded cast. It's just, there's a lot of characters in this movie, uh, in The Departed. For an affairs, not so much, but for someone who doesn't watch a lot of um, Asian film, keeping the characters in line might be a little bit difficult, I would think. But, I mean... Do you agree with that? Did you have a hard time distinguishing who was who in Infernal Affairs? I didn't have a hard time as I was watching it. Uh, it's obviously hard for me and listeners to this podcast, the thousands of them, as I hope, uh, <laughs> probably realize that for the most part, I'm just going to, like, I refer to Infernal Affairs by, like, the the dirty cop or, you know, the good cop because even with American films, I often just use a shorthand in discussing, discussing them. I'll be like, Oh yeah. When DiCaprio says this, or when Damon does that, and it's really only for podcast purposes that I, I have the IMDb page up and I have to be remind myself, like, as you said, like, what was Matt Damon's character's name again? I don't, you know, I watched the movie and I've seen it, you know, probably five or six times, but I don't, I never think of him as like, Oh, that's old Colin Sullivan again. You know what I mean? It's, It's sort of like whichever, you know, if you're brought up with, uh, Asian cinema, if you're not from America, you maybe you have those same issues that Americans have with foreign films and that it's just easier shorthand. Like Mark Wahlberg is playing this character. Alec Baldwin's mm-hmm. in it as well. I, I think that's all it is. Uh, I actually, like I said, as I'm watching Infernal Affairs, I was able to keep all the various characters straight. I don't necessarily know the actor's name or the character's names, but I know basically good guy, bad guy, and like, you know, mob boss. I, you know, I've, yeah. I've got it. So I, it, yeah, I think it does a good it, job. I I just don't want to come off sounding racist. I mean, again, I'm Asian <laughs> myself, but I can see somebody saying, "Well, everybody in here's got black hair, brown eyes." It, <laughs> right. You know, it's just it's, it's going to be a little bit difficult. Whereas, you know, you got um, the the different color hairs in The Departed, and and everyone, you know, you you know who they are, so it's kind of easier right. to just kind of focus on their characters and. Uh, a foreign film you don't know these actors it's kind of hard to kind of keep track Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm familiar with them and it's funny because like the main characters inspector wong lao yan and then the younger versions of themselves they've all been in movies together too you know they were like in initial d together um but they're they're frequent collaborators you know and i think it's just because you know the chinese they don't have as many actors you know that are big and well known so uh, they're usually in the same movies together. Matter of fact, I think the uh, the actor who plays Sam, uh, Eric Sang, he, uh, he sang or something like that. He was also in maybe Initial D or is a movie I'm I, I can't think of right now that they're all in together. I'm just like holy cow, they were in the uh, Infernal Affairs together. So it's so that's that's also kind of weird too. But I, I mean, no, well, not so much. I mean, you got Corsese who likes to you know work with the same actors. And so yeah, DiCaprio. It, it is a thing, but with you know, like you know, Ch- Chinese film or movies, they it, it could be a different director, but it's all the same actors still, right? Um, um, I did I answer the, everything? Or I, I think so. Um, okay, yeah. As far as for myself, I think that this is one where 
oddly the you know the original and the remake both have distinct enough flavors and i don't know if it's just because uh, they are you know one is at least to americans a foreign film and so it's just the not only americanized version but the boston version uh so there's enough differences where it feels warranted uh, they they keep a pretty good plot together as far as I think they take the best elements of Infernal Affairs and, as you said, maybe just expand on them. They just kind of go further, uh, answering some of those nibbling questions you have. I don't think mm-hmm. watching either one of them will ruin the other, other than my initial experience where, you know, it's just, it is the same story. It's the same skeleton plot there as far as so the events are going to be the same thing so if you're looking for twists and turns and surprises which both have both do have you know twists and surprises which are completely ruined by the if you're still listening to this podcast and you're still looking for information on which one to watch but i I think they they both hold up i think that you know for this show uh there's no doubt going to be a number of things that we cover or uh, sort of unwittingly haven't seen that we're going to be like, good Lord, like, why did they ever remake this? Like this remake is terrible. And this is one of those cases where I think it was done in the appropriate way. It was, they, they brought in some different influences and put their own spin on it. It's almost like a, a nice cover of a song. It's like this band mm-hmm. did like they, they had their own sort of style to it, but they still honored what came before. And it's still, it's like, it's still the same song, but it's just, you know, played in the Scorsese way. So, uh, I like the subtle differences. I, I would start with either one. It just, as, as we said, one is more of a drama. One's more of a thriller. Um, I imagine American listeners, if they haven't seen the departed, uh, are going to, uh, go that route anyway. And, th- and I think that's fine. I think this is one, the one case where unlike our intro, where I'm the, the dumbed down version, the dumbed down American version of you, um, I think this case, the, the dumbed down American version is not that dumb and it's, you know, it's, it's a good picture in its own right. It's one best picture. I mean, so it it was critically hailed. That's one thing that didn't get brought up. I know you mentioned it earlier when people were, I guess the marketing department was saying that it wasn't a pure remake, which it totally is. Um, in researching this infernal affairs was up. It was the submitted to the Academy to be nominated for best foreign film and didn't even get nominated. So I I do think that there is, there, there might be some slight sort of, you know, racist connotations to the fact that the foreign film couldn't even get nominated for best foreign film. And yet the American version wins best picture overall over here in the States because they are very similar films. So, and to the departed's credit, it's not an Oscar bait movie. This is not like a melodrama. This is, it's actually kind of weird. This was what Scorsese won best picture for. I think, I mean, it's a gangster thriller. That's funny. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, not, not an extremely serious movie. Yeah. There is one thing that, uh, I kind of forgot about that. Um, I I wanted to draw a comparison to where I think there was one scene. I felt that infernal affairs did a lot better, uh, as far as execution goes. It was, um, I don't want to, I don't know how you want to call this scene, but it's, it's in Infernal Affairs. It's, well, it's basically when one makes the call to the other with the, uh, the boss's phone, you know, after, after the, the death scene, right? So, um, in Infernal Affairs, you have, uh, Andy Lau's character, um, Inspector Lau. It's funny, he uses his last name too. <laughs> so, spelled the same way. 
Uh, so Inspector Lau is sitting at his desk and he's looking at the Ziploc bag, you know, with the phone. And he turns it on and gets the idea to call the last number, right? Mm-hmm. And and it parallels with the departed. Um, um, you know, Damon calls the phone, right? I just felt that it was more intense in Infernal Affairs, where it just kind of played it straight in The Departed, mm. um, because you also get that 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 slow beat in Infernal Affairs, and then you get mm-hmm. the like that that electric guitar strung, you know, and it's just it's a little nerve wracking to be honest, in my opinion. Uh, with The Departed, it just kind of played it straight, right? He calls, and then uh, I think uh, Damon calls. And DiCaprio picks up, and they just kind of, you know, there's there's no talk. But but the music is, I don't think, really did anything to kind of sway the viewer in any type of direction. It just it just played the scene straight. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Did you get any of that? Well, yeah, it's interesting because each film was different on what points in the story they decide to amp up the tension. And you're right as far as Infernal Affairs being more tense there, but in an earlier sequence where the, I guess, good cop almost catches the bad cop is much more violent and tense than the departed version, the after the movie theater scene when he's sort of tracking him. Because in Mm -hmm. Infernal Affairs, it's like his phone rings and he just like, you know, ducks behind a building and that's the end of it. And in the departed, it ends in uh, the Matt Damon character knifing an innocent person that he thinks is the guy tracking him. So it's like, it's weird that both of them, as I said, with the, the cover band kind of way of looking at it, they decide to play the notes slightly differently, even though in the plot, the story plays out the same, but it's like, they decide to emphasize different things. They accent a different, uh, tension there. Yeah. I I like that. That's, that's a very good point. Um, and uh, yeah, I know we were wrapping up the episode, but I, I just thought that was, you know, uh, like a good point that that uh, we didn't quite go over. Yeah, that's fine. I'm um, trying to score more points over me. I understand you're trying to run up the score. <laughs> I, I'm trying to only because when you brought up again how that you were the dumbed down version, I go, well, no, because then you made my opening sound weak because I only gave like a one liner about Infernal Affairs. <laughs> um, but to kind of go back to the recommendations, like if. Um. Again, we're hoping like listeners at least have seen one of them, so that way we can say, "Yeah, check out the other." Um, but if you listen to this and haven't watched either of them, maybe watch them both, but give them some time in between. Yeah. So yeah, yeah because for the podcast, you might be looking for the differences and stuff, and not quite giving it a fair watch. Mm-hmm. You know. So uh, I, I would say that maybe one weekend watch. One and then this, you know, the next weekend watch the other. Maybe that's what I would uh, recommend doing. But if you have to just watch one, let's say the the whole Desert Island trick. Which which version of this story are you going to take with you to the Desert Island? Which Blu-ray or DVD copy? All right. So if you put a gun to my head, uh, I would pick Infernal Affairs Blu-ray. Oh, and that's another thing too. Um, I don't think it is on Blu-ray. Uh, but oh. If- oh. My decision's made then. That's it right there. I, I need the highest quality version. Uh, well, I, I would take a digital copy of Infernal Affairs <laughs> with me on an island with a gun to my head over The Departed. Just because, here's the thing. I'm a big fan of movies. I'm assuming you are too. Mm-hmm. The Departed is long. It's a good movie. But if I can watch a shorter film and get more other movie watching in, Infernal Affairs. 
Yeah, and I, I agree. To, uh, that's a solid point. And this you're, is the you're rare almost, time. You're almost I, saving 45 minutes there. Well, I think this is, you know, normally I'm against the Peter Jacksonization of movies and making them so epically long and just so yeah. dull and boring. I actually, I feel like even for, you know, you mentioned the two and a half hour length of Departed. For me, it doesn't feel like it. Like, I, I feel no. like it's a very brisk and fun ride. And like I said, I don't know if it's because I've seen this one first or maybe I'm just more knowledgeable about the, the actors or the culture. But I, I, I'm just going to take the part. I actually think it's just a more fun movie. And it's, you know, that's a little bit unfair because Infernal Affairs is trying to be more serious and dramatic. But mm. I, I like the extra touches of humor. I, I, you know, I just I'm just gonna come down to it. I just like Dignum. I like Dignum enough to yeah. where it pushes the Departed over the top for me. He's he's pretty good. I mean, uh, if 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 there's a YouTube clip of just his lines alone, <laughs> it's, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, but yeah, it, it's just I I'm not picking Infernal Affairs just because it's it's shorter and and I have a problem with Departed being longer. It, it's just mm. well, again, you know, it's straight to the point. You still get the same story. And you can, mm-hmm. you know, you get more free time. Um, <laughs> for another movie on this desert for, island. E- exactly. <laughs> uh, perhaps Infernal Affairs 2. Um, <laughs> if you want to stay updated with the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Original Remake. Uh, you can find uh, my show that I do with my son Phoenix uh, at HLF Podcast. Um, again, that's Hydrate Level 4. Uh, and Michael, where can listeners find you? You can find War Machine vs. Warhorse on Twitter at War Machine Horse. So you can follow all three, or you can just follow Original Remake. Um, you know, I, I think we're both pretty, pretty decent uh, follows, you know, on our respective uh, podcasts, too. So. Um, you know, just uh, give us a follow, and uh, again, you can find out what's uh, what we'll be discussing on the next episode. Uh, the idea right now is, um, you know, like every other week, right? I think we kind of yep. Uh, so we'll do maybe about twice a month, every other week, or something like that, and we'll kind of um, give some pretty good uh, heads up on what the the next movies are. That way, you know, listeners decide to uh, uh, watch them along with us, and that way it's a little bit more fresh in your mind and. Maybe we wouldn't have to recommend, and you guys would have already had watched it. And um, as you said, it gives them the time, sort of the week off, where they can, as soon as an episode drops, they can start on maybe the original, and then give yourself a week, and then watch the remake, and then two weeks go by, and we'll have another episode up talking about both films. So hopefully it'll be like a gradual watching thing for our listeners. Right, and I actually forgot, we do have an email, right? It's originalremake at gmail.com. Uh, probably. It- <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to keep that in because it's like, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, pretty much, I think the email was there so we could sign up for the, the Twitter account. So yeah, I'm trying to remember because as I said, this is the first episode. No one even knows we're doing it. We obviously don't have any emails yet. So I'm trying right. to remember when we signed up for it, what is the, uh, that, that's probably right. <laughs> It is original remake pod at gmail.com. So there was some other original remake uh, email address, and we had to remake that. So let's let's remake that uh, pimping out of the email address. It is original remake pod at gmail.com. You know what we should do is email the person with original remake 
and uh, do one of those scams. We're like, yeah, we need the password to your email. <laughs> and uh, we need to take over that and say, now you are known as Original Remake Pod. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I imagine based on my podcasting experience, which has just been, I think I'm just coming up on a year for uh, War Machine versus War Horse. Uh, I'll just be flat out honest. Uh, we don't get a lot of feedback as far as people taking the time to to email i don't know if that's a lost art so for the most part i assume it'll be similar that we'll just get twitter reactions uh because i think people only really want to talk to me in the 140 character limit i don't think they usually take the time for lengthy emails but we certainly welcome that here if someone wants to give us you know six page long email about how wrong we are i would i would love to read it i, I, would, yeah. I would applaud the time so absolutely and you know if if that's kind of hard to do i mean you can easily go on to our facebook pages on our own shows and uh because i i know i plan you know we'll read those uh and i find that that's probably easier for people because a lot of people you know they they do have facebook and they could just get on and and comment if they're following our shows on facebook so yeah absolutely so uh hopefully you will follow that twitter account and figure out what we're going to be talking about next time because uh off mic me and Peter need to do that ourselves. We've not actually discussed what our second episode is going to entail and what original and what remake we want to watch. So uh, check that out, and you'll figure it out with us on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, and hopefully we can remake this ending next time to have a, an actual sign-off. <laughs> maybe, or maybe yeah. it'll be like this every week. Maybe it was well, that good, Peter. Yeah. I, I guess for now we're just going to have to kind of keep going back and forth and figure out when we're actually going to end this show. Um, <laughs> or it could be just something as simple and boring as okay um we'll we'll see you guys next time bye (laughs) i'm just gonna end it there (laughs) on the show it just cuts off right there (laughs) yeah i think that'll be funny I mean, I know enough to 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 bullshit, um, and I do that sometimes. I don't know if like anyone ever catches it. Like Snowpiercer, I, I've never seen it, and I, I've led people to believe I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, because um, the the thing is, like, I, I've had friends who personally message me, like, oh dude, I think you really like Snowpiercer. I've I've had like two two of my friends um, that casually watch, watches movies. And they know I podcast, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you'll you'll love it." And so, when that comes up, I'm like, "Man, that's crazy, man!" Like the whole train thing, and I, I just think it was so well done. And 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 Hesh, right? Isn't she in that one? <laughs> not not Anne Hesh. The um, the one that looks like her played play Gabriel, right? In um, Constantine, Tilda Swinton. Right, right. She's in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I always kind of mix them up, but yeah, I know she's in it. And is she like the villain or something? So she's I kind of a villain, yeah. Yeah, so I know very little, so I, I, I can say some <laughs> stuff to make it sound like I've seen it. And I, I've even um, threw that in, like, in my top 2014 of Sound Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a show doing a list show, a uh, list episode, so uh, I threw that in to, to make it, you know, to make myself sound cooler. <laughs>